0: Father we thank you for your son Jesus Christ he is the word he was with you in the beginning and by him are all things created that were made and and what we have in this written word is is the mind of Christ second first Corinthians chapter two tells us that this is the mind of Christ you have left us with your will so father as we break the bread of life this morning and we get nourished for another day and another week We pray, Father, that you'll open up our minds and our understandings, that we will accept your teachings. We will accept your will and your way. We will learn to be on guard and to guard ourselves and to walk with you step by step and allow you to lead us all that way. Father, we pray that we will be challenged by what we hear today, that we will take it to heart, that we will share it with others, that we will be evangelists for you and your ambassadors in christ to this world and we thank you for your word for your son for salvation for grace and mercy it's in jesus name we pray amen hey as you're turning on to second peter because we're going to be there again chapter two as you're turning there i want to tell you something i heard this week a little bit church service came up on sunday and one of the ushers Uh, lady walked in and he said can I show you a seat she said yeah I want to sit on the front row so he was taking her down to the front row and he, he said you know I don't know if you want to be on the front row because our pastor he's kind of dry he's kind of boring you're probably going to fall asleep and you'd be right there in front of his face when you do that so you sure you want that and she stopped and looked at him and said do you know who I am and the usher said, no, ma'am, I, I don't. Said, I am the pastor's mother. <laughs> he thought for a moment, he said, well, do you know who I am? And she said, no. He said, thank goodness. <laughs> and he walked off. <laughs> anyway, last week we started talking in, in chapter 2 of Second Peter. And we, we talked about Noah and the flood. And we talked about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah we looked at it from the standpoint of the angels that sinned, the sons of God that came into the daughters of women, and we talked about who they were. And if you weren't here, you missed some stuff because we explained that it wasn't just a Sunday school lesson of the animals going two by two into the ark. That there was a spiritual warfare churning underneath for the reason for the flood. You know, God doesn't do anything for nothing. There was a reason why the earth and all of the other folks except the eight who got on the ark. Why the flood had to come and those to perish. And that was because the sons of God are angelic beings it's a specific term for that who came and saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took for them wives as they chose of them and they bore unto them and the word children's not there it just says they bore unto them these men of old the giants the men of renown that it was at that time and it was through this unholy union of demonic spirits with daughters of men that why there was wickedness and evil upon the face of the earth and because of that God said I have to destroy it it was an attack on the lineage of Jesus Christ is what it was in Genesis 3 when the the Adam and Eve the creation had taken of the forbidden fruit and had fallen he said Because you have done this, and he told the man, Cursed is the ground. He told the woman, in childbirth, you're going to have travail and things are going to happen. But he told the serpent that because you have led them into this, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. And at that moment, he knew that that lineage, the seed of the woman, had to be stopped if he wanted to not be cast into the devil's hell. And so from the beginning of time, he made a desperate attack upon the seed line that would lead to Jesus Christ. The next chapter you have Abel being slain by Cain. The next chapter you have the genealogy because he had to prove that it was true genealogy to Christ. It was spiritual warfare. And we looked last week at this judgment that's going to come upon false teachers it says that it will be just as sure as what happened in the flood. And it's going to be just as sure as Sodom and Gomorrah. And we looked at it from that standpoint. This week I want to look at the same story. But I want to turn it around. And I want to look at it the standpoint of God's grace and mercy towards us. Because in as much as there was angels who sinned. And the ancient world that was not spared. And there was Sodom and Gomorrah. You also had Lot and Noah. And so because of that, I want to show now this time the grace of God in action as these judgments took place. So let's look at it from that. So if you're there with me, let's start in verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 2 and let's get the framework. And again, have our minds in order on what it's actually the context that we're talking about here. There were false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you. And they will secretly try to bring in destructive heresies. They will even deny the Lord who bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. But many will follow their pernicious or their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And we see that every day now in the news By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment really hasn't been idle. And their destruction will not slumber. Because if, and we talked about how this is a first class, which means if, because it is true. If it was true, and yes it is true, that God did not spare the angels who sinned. But he cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And if he did not spare the ancient world, but he did save Noah, one of the eight, a preacher of righteousness. And he did bring the flood on the world of the ungodly. And he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemned them to destruction and making them an example... ...to those who afterward would live ungodly. But he delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by that filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them was tormented. His righteous soul from day to day seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So then know this, that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and trials... And he also knows how to reserve the unjust unto punishment for the day of judgment. And so what we have here, and it's all included around the idea of false teachers and not teaching the truth of the word of God and leading people astray. He said, their judgment does not slumber. It will stand true just as Sodom and Gomorrah, just as the flood did and came in those days So shall it be with them if they do not change from their ways. And we have two examples set forth for us for that. To let us know that two categories of beings. The lost and the saved. And as it's described here. The spared and the spared not. Those who were delivered through and from. Noah. If you look at the story, it's going to be delivered through the flood. He's not going to be a part. If it was me, you know what I would be saying? You you probably would be too. Lord, don't let me go through this. Don't let me face this destruction. Don't let me face the problems that's in my life. Don't we usually ask that? Keep this from happening to me. Why is it? God set Noah up as a super grace believer to show us that sometimes, he says he's not going to put more on you than you can bear, that sometimes I've got to bring you through it to show my grace and my mercy and power. I think you can handle it, so I'm bringing you through the disaster. Lot, on the other hand, he looks at Lot and he says, Lot's not strong enough to be brought through Through it, so I'm going to have to deliver him from it. And that's what we're going to look at today. The mercy of God is so great that no matter what is going to happen, if you are walking with him, he's either going to bring you through it or from it. And either way, you are in the place where God wanted you to be when the destruction, the disaster, the problems, the testing is going to hit you. Know this. That God knows how to deliver the godly. Whether through it or from it. So if you are in it. Know that he has a plan for you being in it. There's a reason why. And he has confidence that you have the strength to make it through it. So with that. That wasn't part of the notes. And Ms. T's, I just got off. That's where it was led. And she's probably up there going where in the world are we? Is there a slide for this? No, that was just me. But we got two categories. What I want you to realize today and soak up is this. There's a spared and there's a spared not. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in the spared category. I want to be in that side. I don't want to be on the spared not. So I need to understand what's going on here and the difference between these two groups. So let's go to Genesis chapter 6 real quick to understand about... Noah's group and the flood and the spared and the spared not there. And verse 4 of of Genesis 6 is where we're going to start. And the angels that we talked about last week that did not keep their first estate. That left that habitation and crossed over and came down to where they shouldn't have been. And and had relationships with the women there. And it says in verse 4, there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward when the sons of God the technical term for demonic angelic beings and also good angelic beings because in Job 1 2 and 38 we saw last week there was a day when God called an assembly in heaven and the sons of God appeared and Satan was there among them also so we pointed out that that's a specific term the son of God who those are so "...they came in unto the daughters of men, and they bore to them those who were the mighty men of old and of renown." And the word for giants there is Nephilim. And I had someone ask me last week, what about the giants that was in the land afterwards in Deuteronomy? There's only one other time that Nephilim is referred to the giants, and that's the sons of Anak in Numbers, where it says, these also are of the remnant of the giants, The sons of Anak that was those. That's the only time. The other giants. When in Deuteronomy. When it says we're like grasshoppers in their sight. That's not this term Nephilim. It's a term Raphaim. Which means giants. Nephilim comes from the word Nephal. Which means to fall. And so these are the ones who fell. These are the fallen ones. And it says that they bore children of them. They were the giants. They were the Nephilim that was in the land. And it says that they took for themselves wives. A couple weeks we might get into that. Because that word lachak there in the Hebrew. Depending on the stems means a lot of different things. Because you can take something that's like a gift can't you? You can receive it and take it. You can be an agreement like in marriage it's an agreement between two you take a wife or a husband but if one country is at war with someone else and they take their ship or their assets or their prisoners of war you've done something forcibly that the other side didn't want to happen so this word goes both ways on taking and I think that it does go both ways here when it talks about the angels who came down and took for themselves wives. Some were probably smitten by the beauty of these because angelic beings are something else. But some probably did not want to. But this word says that they took for themselves who they chose so it goes both ways some didn't have a choice some did it by choice but they took all of them and started having the relationships with them and then it says though that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord the eyes of the Lord are continually upon us and the world and everything that is in it and he saw the intent and the evilness of the heart was always wicked And he said I have to do something about that. But that is contrasted then with Noah. For it says indeed that Noah was walking with God. In verse 11 God saw that the entire earth was corrupt. Filled with violence. Indeed it was corrupt because all flesh had what? Corrupted its way upon the earth. And what that means is is that union between the nephilim and the daughters of men had corrupted the genetic line that's what it's saying there all flesh had become corrupted through this and god has to bring a savior that doesn't come from a corrupted line it comes from the seed of the woman so that's why you have in genesis 5 the genealogy showing that from adam to noah it's a pure genealogy and then you get to hear all the earth is corrupted because of them. But verse 22, the last verse of the chapter. Noah did all according to God that had commanded him. So he did. And so the difference between our text of Second Peter of spared and spared not was this. The thoughts and intents of the heart of those who were spared not... Was constantly wicked and evil. And the heart of Noah was he did all that the Lord commanded him. That he did. There's the difference between the two. What you think is who you are. And most of the time what you think spills out into who you are in life. And is put on display. So the difference then comes down to one word. Back into our text in 2 Peter chapter 2. One word either in a negative or a positive way. Describes who are are the spared and the spared not. And it's this word spared and spared not comes from sabase. That word means to worship. It means to reverence. To be in all of and submit unto it. So in the positive way Noah walked with God. Noah did what God said to do from his word. And he was sebace. Spared. He was granted leniency is what it means. He was spared. He, he did not receive what he deserved. Praise God. I don't want what I deserve. I want leniency when it comes my time. It says you walk with me you get leniency. But. When you put an A on the beginning of a word. It turns it into a negative. And so those who spared not. The not comes from the A. Which is asabase. And asabase means to be without reverence. To be without that holy reverence and awe and honor. And not to submit to the authority. But to do what I want to do. And so the difference between... Sabace and a is my attitude towards God and his word do I reverence him do I walk with him do I believe in him and follow him or do I not and count that all as dung and just say net nah, I'm going to do what I want to do because I don't have to worship and reverence you and that is the difference between these two groups of people same thing goes with whether it's fallen angels, Sodom, false teachers, the followers. Asabase is negative toward God. Sabase, Noah, and Lot positive toward what the Holy Word is. They hold it in awe and they moved with godly fear. Let's take a look at that. Let's look at the New Testament description of what Noah did. How that he was sabase. How that he was reverent and in awe of what God told him to do hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 but as you're turning there if you want to or as you follow along up here when it says that they were righteous like righteous Lot and noah it's not their righteousness because romans chapter 3 verse 10 folks says this there is none righteous no not one i am a sinner they were sinners but we are made righteousness, but later on it says in Romans 3, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, thank God for Jesus Christ. Because I am unrighteousness. And I agree with him. He says, I, what I want to do, I don't do what I should do. I, I don't, what I don't want to do, what I shouldn't do, I end up doing I am wicked, I am sinful. Thank God for His grace and for His Son, Jesus Christ. That's where righteousness, believing in Him and following Him imputes His righteousness to us. And we are called righteousness by that way. So let's take a look at how that works uh, and goes. We are there in, um, in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, By faith, Verse seven, Noah, being divinely warned of things that was not yet seen, moved with godly fear. What's that? Sabase that leads to spared. He moved with a godly fear. He prepared the ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world because of their what? Unrighteousness. Asabas. Not reverencing God. So righteousness then. He is the heir of a righteousness. Which is according to faith. That's imputed through faith. And what you do. Imputed according to that. So here's what faith looks like then. If we dissect this verse. By faith Noah. That means he heard the word of God. Didn't he? He was divinely warned. So he heard the word of God. The next thing he did. He believed it. And he reverenced it. Even though these things are not yet seen. They haven't happened. It doesn't look like it should. He reverenced what God said and believed it. So it put him into action. He acted upon it. And he moved with that reverence and the godly fear. And he built the ark. Because God said this is going to happen. Do this. So that's what he did. And then it says that after he did that. And he prepared the ark. It went to the what? Saving of his life and his families. God's grace. That is the response to a godly life. To doing what God told us. He was spared as it said in Second Peter. And that meant leniency. We didn't earn or deserve it. But he was lenient because we're trying. Because we are leaning towards him. Leniency was given. Or we could have just looked at the verse before that. That explained faith. Because without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God what? Must believe that he is. And believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's the action that goes along with the belief. Both of those lead to what faith is. Without that mm, impossible. That's a strong word. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him so then that leads us now to an exciting part because I kind of understand that about Noah I mean he was he was really walking with God and so God said I can bring you through this and I'm going to use you as that example but what about me what about weak what about not quite a Noah yet well that's then he put lot in here for us let's look back again at our text in second peter about lot and what it says about him we know god didn't spare those angels they're in chains of darkness but he brought noah through the flood and then he turned the cities of sodom and gomorrah verse 6 into ashes condemning them to destruction making them an example to those who would afterward live ungodly but he delivered righteous lot. And we've already figured that out. That that's through faith. And imputed through Christ to him. So he delivered him. Even though he was oppressed. By the filthy conduct of the wicked. It, the King James says vexed. And then it, it goes on to, to say. That uh, he was tormented. Day in and day out. By seeing and hearing. What the, the men of Sodom were doing and then it tells us this great word of encouragement for you and i the lord knows how to deliver us away from testing and temptation and knows how to deliver us through that or from that and he knows what to do with those who don't want to walk with him and who stay ungodly and i'm so glad that the holy spirit put lots condition in here for me because I'm not always that strong. So let's share that story. If you do, you go to Genesis chapter 13. Let's see what Peter's referring to here. Let's get the history of it and know what's going on. Okay? Lot was not a Noah. Lot was not a goody two-shoes. He wasn't an Abraham like his uncle. He was more like me. And he says in chapter 13 of Genesis verse 11... That he chose. He looked out whenever they had to split from his uncle, Abraham. Abraham said, it's your choice. Where do you want to go? And it says he looked out over the plains and he looked the other way. And as he looked all around, he said, I want to go that way. I want to go towards the plains. I want to go towards Sodom. And it says he chose to do that. Even though he knew the reputation, everybody knew what was going on there. But he chose to what it says a little later in the chapter to pitch his tent towards Sodom down there it says. And then the last verse said but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful before the Lord. That is against nature. It is against God's design for the home and for how things are supposed to go. And it says that made them exceedingly wicked and sinful before him. And then it says against the Lord because it goes against his holy divine design of creation. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. I'm going to sit down here and smile for a minute. Christians, believers, if we choose to pitch our tent, our life, our mind, our thinking process, Toward sodom you know what's going to end up happening soon you won't be toward you will be there with look at what goes on we don't get very far now from chapter 13 you go to chapter 18 he's there now we find that lot is in sodom and the angels has come to abraham and they said we are going to to go down God has sent us to go down to this city and to see if the outcry of wickedness is as bad as what's being brought up to God because you know that time when it talked about how that the sons of God assembled before the Lord and Job last week and how it said that Satan came there and they talked about Job well he's always there his name means the accuser He's always there bringing these things up to God and trying to accuse us of these things. And it becomes so bad that God now says, I've got to investigate and see if it is that bad. And so he's going to let Abraham know before he does it because his nephew is there. And he says that uh, we're going to go there. The angels arrive. You turn the page now and you get to chapter 19 And you know where it says Lot is? Where's verse 1 say Lot is? Sitting in the gate, isn't he? He's sitting in the gate. You know what sitting in the gate means? You can go through Isaiah and you can read all of the other prophets. Sitting in the gate means you're kind of a monitor with them. You're one of them. You're monitoring who comes in, who comes out. You're talking with them. He started by pitching that way. Now he's in the gates sitting there with them. And he sees these two men walking up to the gate. And the first thing he does is he goes to get them. Why? Because he knows all the people that he's with. He's not doing what they're doing. We're going to find out in a moment. He's been trying to talk to them about it. But he is there with them. And he understands what's going to happen to these two guys. If they walk into this town. And how wicked it is. So he meets them and he grabs them and he says hey. I want you to come and to to be a part of my home tonight. I want you to stay with me. And the angel said, no, we're not going to do that. I heard a thunder behind me. There's something going on. I seen everybody going. (laughs) Anyway, he says, no, I don't want you guys to stay here. The angel said, no, we're going to stay here in the middle. We're going to camp and we're going to be in the square and we're going to see just what's going on and and lot persuaded him said no you don't want to do that you want to come to my house please come on i'll feed you and i'll send you on your way tomorrow i'll get you out of here and so the angels finally relented they went ahead and and came and had supper with him and it says in genesis 19 there that before they could lay down to go to sleep that night something happened lot's house was surrounded it was surrounded, it says, by the men of Sodom that they had come from every corner and surrounded the house. I asked Google, what was the population of Sodom, Gomorrah at the time of Lot? And it says that it was somewhere around 10, 12,000 probably. So if you can figure that, there was a lot of people that showed up from every corner to be around the house, wasn't there? And they came around the house and they're looking and it says where is they knocked on the door where is those two men who came into town tonight and that you grabbed a hold of real quick and brought them there. We want them bring them to us now. Can you imagine? Dozens hundreds of men saying we all want them now. I can't imagine what was getting ready to happen. It was going to be Probably a forcible gang rape type thing. You know what Lot did? Praise him. I couldn't do this. He said, please do not do this wickedness. I have two daughters who have never known a man. Take them. Do with them whatever you want to do, but leave these men alone. I'm telling you right now, I couldn't do that. I ain't turning my daughter over to nobody. To hundred maybe or more men? No. He said, please though. I brought them here to provide protection underneath my roof because I knew about you. And you can't do this. I would rather turn my daughters over to you. They said, no, we don't want that. And look, you came here, read the story, you came here, you started developing a relationship, and then you moved in, you knew who we were, and then you started trying to talk to us and judge us there at the gate every day and talk to us. They didn't like that. And they said, because you are now trying to refrain from us having these two guys that's in your house, we're going to grab you and, buddy, we're going to take out all the frustration that's been built up and we're going to take it out on you and it's going to be even worse than what we was going to do to those two. You know what happened? The two angels, being as powerful as they are, they grabbed Lot's hand when they were about ready to storm the door and the riot began. They grabbed Lot and they pulled him inside of the house and they struck All the men that was standing there with blindness. So that they couldn't even find the front drawer. And they're groping around. And the angels warned them. This is why we're here. The wickedness that has came up before the Lord is true. And he has sent us here. To destroy this city. And the cities of the plains. And you get your family. And get out of here. Do you have sons? Do you have daughters? Do you have sons-in-laws? And he did. And it says that he tried all night to explain to his family what was getting ready to happen. And you know what it says the two older daughters. It says the sons-in-laws of them that they had married thought he was joking. They laughed at him and said, you must be crazy. And then it says that there was only four of them of his family. That's why Abraham bargained for ten. He figured at least Lot and The families, like in the day of Noah, would have all came, and I can get ten, so I'm going to bargain for that. He only got four. And so those four were standing there. They didn't want to leave. What does your Bible say there? It says he lingered, right? Verse 16. While in the morning the angels were saying, leave now, it's getting ready to happen. The judgment is coming, leave. And it says, Lot lingered and i said how could he do that when i read that i was like are you serious angelic being struck him with darkness you saw the the riot and you're lingering why well still got a couple of daughters he's leaving behind is not he but how many times then i got to thinking he'd heard all of this but yet he lingered but how many times Do I know the word of God? But I'm in a situation, a place, something that I know I shouldn't be in. And what do I do? I linger. I stay. I'm no different than Lot. So you know what had to happen? Those two angels, if they were as men, they have how many arms? Two. They got two hands. So there's four total, right? There's four people. It says the angels had to grab Lot, his wife, and the other two youngest daughters that he had offered out to them. They had to grab them. So they had one in each hand. Two angels each had in both hands Lot and his family dragging them out of Sodom. Dragging them out. The word in the New Testament in our text of Second Peter is the word for to drag They dragged him out and they put him out. And he said, don't look back. Get yourself out to the mountains. Hide because God is getting ready to do this and I can't do nothing until you're safe. And you know what the word of God says there? I got it underlined. Because the Lord was merciful toward Lot. When I'm not what I'm supposed to be and when I'm lingering, the Lord's merciful. He's going to do everything that he can to drag you out and to save you so that you are in the spared instead of the not spared category. He says, I can't do anything until you're out of here and safe. That's grace. And that's mercy. And I told you there's another side to the coin on, on this whole thing. I want to be in that spared side. I have to do it by faith. And I have to believe. And I have to walk. And I have to do. And sometimes, even when I know those things and I'm lingering, I have to get drug away. And Lot says, No, he's still bargaining. He says, I'm afraid to go to the mountains, I'm afraid to go dwell in caves. And something might happen. I want to, I'm a city guy, I'm not a country boy. I want to go to the town over there, Zoar, that little place. Is that far enough away? And the angel said, yeah, that's far enough away. Uh, get over there and get now before this happens. And it says that he did and he left and he went over there. And then it says that the Lord rained the fire and the brimstone down. And as Abraham looked out that morning as he went over there, it says that it was like a furnace spilling out the steam and the smoke from the fire and the brimstone. And the entire place, the word of God says there that the cities of the plains, the inhabitants, and even the ground was burnt and destroyed. You know where that is right now? It's called the Dead Sea. Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities of the plains is in the Dead Sea because the Lord says in Second Peter in our text, That it is a monument forever for you to look at for those who would also live ungodly. And it stands today. Nothing can grow there. It is the salt sea. It is the dead place. And it's a monument to those who are a sebes. Non-reverent toward the authority of the word of God. So i don't even know where i'm at (laughs) yeah we're right here (laughs) the lord i i underlined that was merciful drug him out carried him away i can't do nothing until that and then back to our text second peter the say base versus the a base the spared and the spared not the lord spared not angels ancient world ungodly but he spared noah by grace through active faith. And I understand that one. He was great. But verse 6. Sodom, Gomorrah, ashes. Condemned to destruction. An example forever to those who afterwards. Even to this day. Choose to be a base. Non-reverent. Not worried about the word of God. And say thumb my nose to that. I can do what I want. Lot. Praise God for Lot in our story. Lot, it says there, was overpowered is what that word means. He was overwhelmed. He was trying day by day. He taught. He told them. But he was among it. And so I tell you something. We're not supposed to, what Psalm 1 say, not to take the counsel of the ungodly, not to stand in the way with sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful but your delight to be in the law of the lord and in that law to meditate day and night and you'll be blessed lot thought that he was strong enough to handle that and i can be here with these and try that but it says that he was becoming weaker and weaker he was being overwhelmed overtaken there's a reason why god tells us to stay away your friends you tell them you explain it but if you stay it's going to wear you down folks you got to get out and you got to get away from it and sometimes we want to linger and we think it's still okay but we got to be drug out so i'm thankful that that the holy spirit chose to put lot in our text today too because sometimes i need that mercy and grace to be drug out and not be overpowered and overrun, and then falling victim to the spared not crowd. So, the reason why you shouldn't do—do do you ever linger around things, and and when tempting and te- testing come, you get that voice, you know, that I shouldn't. But do you ever like get sensations, and <sighs> I know I, shouldn't. and but you get overwhelmed by it. That's what this word is meaning. And you know what's going on? Ephesians, the book of Ephesians says that when you become a child of God. That you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he dwells within you. And when we start to walk and be in places that we're not supposed to be. And that sort of thing. You get those because it says do not grieve the Holy Spirit that is dwelling within you he's within me and when i start to grieve him i feel it because he's living in me and i can feel his grief and his reaction to that and there's friction going on inside of you We're going to cover that story one day because it says that that friction, if you continue to fight it, if you don't if you don't get yourself back in relationship with God and stay away, that friction produces a callous. And pretty soon the callous makes you unfeeling, and then you are overwhelmed. Lot was feeling the friction of being grieved in his spirit because he was grieving the Holy Spirit. He was tormented. It says day and night. And that's God's way of trying to let you know. Don't do it. Get away. Stop. But if you fight it for very long. Pretty soon a callous will start working its way. Pretty soon you won't feel that grieving any longer. And it will be easy to be overwhelmed and give in to it. So folks. Don't allow that to happen. Understand the word. Be reverent. Follow it. Don't grieve the spirit that's within you. He sealed you for the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. Follow him. And try to pull everyone else, as Jude said, out of the fire that you can. But be like Noah. Be like Lot. Be reverent. Even if it drags you out. But don't. It and be calloused and be in the wrong category. So as our worship team comes up. Take heart. Dear children and, and children of God. Verse 9. Verse 9 up there. The Lord knows how to deliver those who are seeking after him. He knows how to deliver you. Whether it's through it like Noah. Or kicking and screaming like Lot. The Lord's merciful. And he's going to bring you through it. Trust him. I guarantee you he will not. Let you down. Let's pray. Whew. Father. Such. Dynamic. Examples. Of what this spiritual conflict. And warfare is about. Spared. Spared. Or not spared. Father I pray that every. One of. My beloved friends. And brothers and sisters here. In this body of Christ. Will take this message to heart. From your word. Pray that they will love you. Reverence you. And a part of the spared. Pray for that mercy and grace. That was talked about there. To overwhelm us and to grab us. And to take us home to be with you. Father I pray that for myself and family as well. Pray that we all will one day be with you in that home in heaven. Until then I know that we're going to face a lot of trials and troubles and tribulation. But I pray that this example gives us the strength. To know that if we're in it. You put us there and you're going to bring us through it. That if we're out of it. Thank you thank you for dragging me away and keeping me safe and we thank you for your son jesus whose righteousness because of the cross imputes that to us so that we might have fellowship and relationship with you and we thank you in jesus name amen